Blog Talk Radio. Heavenly Father, 
Father God, we praise you. Father, we just praise you. We praise you in all things as we are instructed, particularly in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, where we're admonished in your word to praise you in all situations without exception. And Father, we praise you for helping us to understand why. So few understand those dynamics. In fact, it confuses them. And we praise you, Father, because perhaps because of the hungriness of our hearts to learn, uh, for lack of a better term, mysteries of the Bible, you have revealed to the hearts of babes, certainly not those deserving of anything special other than just being hungry to understand. You've helped us to to be able to see and reason through and and um, perhaps by the endowment of your wisdom, James 1, verse 5, and you knowing our hearts and being the kind, loving, merciful, generous Father that you are, even to the point where you help us to recognize that through your judgments, many, many thousands, if not hundreds of millions of souls will be saved in the days to come. So so difficult it is for people to understand these things. It's a wonderment to many of us, Father, how it can be missed. How can scriptures like Isaiah 26, verse 9, I believe I have that right, where it says, when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And to understand that that righteousness, ultimately, while you are a God of many chances, will save them from horrors and experiencing such horrors and watching such horrors happen to their own children before their eyes. If they would only read your word for themselves. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will help anoint us in such anoint us in such a way that we will understand that in the midst of the confusion that has been so pervasive across the entire world, and especially in the United States of Babylon the Great, that if we're not willing to pick up that scripture and transcend the trap, the entrapment of the ignorance of churchianity, we not only endanger our salvation, but we endanger our children, we endanger members of our family, and we fall short of what we could have done for you. And unfortunately, because of your generosity and wisdom, we come to the understanding clearly that it also will affect ultimately our eternity. We praise you for helping us to understand that Lucifer or Satan or the devil is on an executive severance package of some type and that you're using him to bring in the fullness of the Gentiles. We praise you for helping us, Father God, to understand that part of your love for us and that testing that you put us through and which is multidimensional testing, really, uh, that testing of our faith, testing of our how resolute we are in our beliefs, 
um, testing us very similar to how the Israelites were tested when they were going through their desert experience, and yet we're going through so many of these tests. And then to even be brought to the to the revelation, this mystery that a big, big part of that test is to push us to the last minute. I This is one of the newest things that you've shown me, and I am so blessed by it that I... I gush with uh, – I'm literally speechless, and I praise you for it, Father, to help. I needed to understand that, and I praise you for helping me to understand that, that I can share and praise you for it publicly, for helping me and us ultimately to understand that it is through praise in dark times that our – Faith is amplified, our resolution, we become more resolute in our, in our um, because we have power. There is life and death in the power, power, the power, the power of the tongue. There is life and death in the power of the tongue. And as we lift you up and praise you, and as we are being tested for how resolute we are in our faith thinking that you are not answering our prayers. We praise you for helping us to understand that that long, long period of time that is going by, sometimes many years, is part of that test. Did we keep on praising you, convinced that you were going to answer our prayers because that is what our Father would do, our Abba Father? Thank you, Father, for not allowing us to get stuck and indeed trapped in the murky, cloudy misunderstandings of theology, Bible Uh, formal Bible teachings. Thank you, Father, for helping us to understand that it is Jesus who is the head of the church, and it is only he that ordains, John 15, 16. Thank you, Father, for helping us to understand the things that we need to understand, giving us that which is required, not only through perhaps some level of wisdom and perhaps some level of knowledge, which are two completely different things, but also through helping us to understand our divine tests, our divine tribulations, our chastening, our difficulties in our walk, and redirecting us in such a manner that we're more empowered to understand what is required of us. Not only now, but in the days ahead. For Father, we praise you for this because if we, if we don't understand these things, the days that are ahead of us will cause us to fall further in our faith. Which is exactly what Luke eighteen seventeen, I believe it is, or is it? No, it's 7, 18 says if we can receive it. I believe that is correct, and I will check it. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let me see if I got that one correct. Luke 
Let's see if I got that one correct. Praise God. Looks like I didn't. Well, doggone it. I got to really buckle down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, I pray that you will help me to buckle down, spend some extra time in your scripture going over all of the ones which I've marked over 11 years of time and reinforce, because memorization takes a lot of reinforcement and continuous usage. And we just praise you, Father, for helping us to understand these things. And also I pray that you will open my heart and make for me even more time that I need to spend more time in your word, which requires me to, I don't know, it's going to be hard. I know it will be because I've because of the intensity of the things that are happening across the world right now and the intensity of the the people that are reaching out for help. So many are emailing, praise you, Father, for demon possession, children that are addicted to drugs and demon possession, and their lives are threatened. So many requests coming in out of, you know, we we anticipated this because of your divine touch, Father, and we knew that there would come a time, and I expect, glory to your name, that it will increase exponentially. And in the midst of that, of course, the demands of my job and my life and just taking care of the house and all the things have gone through the roof, many times the magnitude greater now than, and and without respite, I don't know how I can muster up the time. But I pray in Jesus' name that you will help me to find that time, even if it requires divine intervention, even if it requires me to hear your voice when I'm not even paying attention to listen to it. Because there are times when we're unplugging from the world, reading a book or something else that is not the Word of God, whatever that may be, whatever, doing chores, uh, doing repairs on our houses, whatever it is, taking care of children, taking care of parents, that the intensity of these requirements to sustain where it is we are, wherever that is, we are now, has increased by some noteworthy magnitude which we're unable to calculate, but we can feel in our daily walk, the tiredness, the exhaustion that we feel because of the um, mental stress associated with being knowledgeable about the things that are happening across the earth and trying to stay in touch with them. To know that, for example, the entity that refers to itself as Biden has just stopped the reopening through the homosexual beauty gig or whatever he calls himself, whatever entity that is, stopped the largest natural gas production facility in the entire United States from opening up because of an explosion claiming that they needed to pass certain safety tests when the logical explanation would be that it was one of the global satanic crime syndicate blew the plan up in the first place. 
Thank you, Father, for witnessing to my spirit, even if I don't completely understand this revelation, this feeling that I that came over me. Because I didn't understand the logic behind just randomly burning down food processing facilities. The idea that a global satanic crime syndicate with a mission would randomly pick out food facilities and just start randomly setting them on fire with no plan, no just saying, hey, going to burn you down for no good reason. It's running around burning them down. Somehow that just didn't sit well. I just don't oh, I don't even know why it didn't sit well. I just accepted it and I knew that it was evil. But then it occurred to me how over hundreds of years of times landlords and various land evil land in various parts of the country as this country grew in its colonial period and even thereafter in the 1800s, evil landlords would buy out entire towns by buying out farms and farmland by force with threats to children and life and limb. And when the landowner would refuse to sell the farm. The evil landlord would send his workers to burn the house down. And then I was like, wow. They're trying to buy out all the food facilities, control them, and when they're refusing to sell, they're burning them down. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. I don't know if I understand that properly, but it all comes together so beautifully. And when we understand the how, the why, and the who, and the what that is associated with our existence on this earth even today, it helps us through your wisdom imparted upon us through your loving kindness and the multitude of your tender mercies to be able to better witness and to explain because the unbelievers that that may be placed in our path when we defend the faith and try to awaken them hopefully using subtle hints in the beginning at least gee doesn't this look like it's biblical almost looks like it's an act of God doesn't it Father, thank you for revealing these mysteries to be able to not say, oh, it's Bill Gates trying to buy up all the farmland or all the food processing facilities, but to have the wisdom to ask it in the form of a question. Have you ever considered that maybe, could it be that maybe, and to be able to use it as a witnessing tool. Father, we praise you for the release of part number two, indoctrination. Part number two, indoctrination of the Plandemic.com documentary series. Helping us to understand that Build Back Better was actually a term invented by Bill Clinton in the mid 
helping us to understand that the pharmaceutical corporations were established across this country with these satanic protections by one of the greatest well-known satanic devil-worshipping blood-drinking baby killers of all history, David Rockefeller. We praise you, Father, for helping us to understand that this crime syndicate has hundreds of millions to give away for their mission. We praise you, for, Father, for helping us to understand that if they only needed 100 actors to bring about the lie of the January 6th false flag, that it was merely pocket change to those to give away $100 million to the crisis actors that were hired to create the image of the lie. Threatening them with death and permanent imprisonment should they open their mouths while they forge what appears to the unindoctrinated one of the biggest lies since 9-11. Thank you, Father. We praise you for the work of, of D'Souza, who's an Indian-born Christian, as you know. We thank you for his work in 2000mules.com and the powerful witnessing tool that is becoming. But we also thank you, Father, for helping us to understand what your Holy Word says. That that the third seal says in Revelation chapter 6, at the very end, which is talking about a global financial collapse, do not harm the oil or the wine, which means the bride is still here. We praise you for helping us to stitch together these mysteries in little bite-sized chunks and seeing the spiritual synergy that exists from Scripture to Scripture, prophetic event from prophetic event, not getting lost in the labyrinthine confusion of the words of the prophecies, but having the wisdom from your throne room to zero in on the individual event and correlate them between prophetic words that came out 70, 80, even 100 plus years apart from one another. And to be able to see that they're talking about the exact same event. Because we trimmed off all the fat, zeroed in on the events, connected the event dots, and track them back to your word. Thank you for helping us to understand that your word is unimpeachable, that Jesus is the word. And that by virtue of believing a prophet, a vision, or a dream over the words that are in the Bible is an affront to the throne room of our Father. Because we're believing the words of a human being that are absolutely corrupt by their nature. 
over the very word that was written in your scripture by and penned by the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus, for Jesus is the Word, and the Word was God. We praise you for helping us to be able to discern and understand through the mysteries of your Scripture. The foundational information that is beyond necessary, mandatory, to embrace and and intimately be able to to, uh, compare with unshakable assurance to your word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, but penned by imperfect human hands, giving us the wisdom to understand that it's not one translation that's perfect, it's none of them that's perfect, because it's not that the it's not that your word is not perfect, it's that our understanding is imperfect. We praise you for revealing that mystery to us to help us to understand that we are so utterly blessed during this day because now, unlike prior generations, we have the ability, as it says in Daniel 12, that knowledge would increase to be able to compare multiple versions of the Scripture at the same time and be able to discover the incredible gift of translations like the NLT. And thank you for the blessing of those resources that allow us to compare those translations in parallel. helping to reveal things that are otherwise not because of a lack of divine anointed source, but because of the weakness of man, that there would even exist as many translations as there are, let alone the corruption associated with the root of the Latin Vulgate. But to be able to look past that and look at the translational effort and compare it in parallel to come to a new understanding that is more accurate than that which we originally embraced over time. A gift that belonged to no other generation. Yet so few take advantage of. So very few as they grasp at straws, jumping on every rapture bubble train that they can get on because they're miserable in their lives, which I raise my hand, for I empathize dramatically. But yet, Father, you were generous enough to reveal that part of our test, for the Lord God tests the hearts of the righteous. He tests the hearts of the unrighteous as well. That through that test, 1 Thessalonians 
chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, maybe even 18. Doing this all from memory right at the moment. Praise you, Jesus. That it says that we praise you in all things, and it's supported by Philippians 4, 16, 17. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, in all things, we praise and supplicate and we make requests to your throne. And then we trust and we believe. To not be deceived by prophetic words that are coming out and telling us to run away from our homes. To sell what we have and to move to some country location thinking that somehow we are going to escape what's coming upon the earth. Perhaps we have chickens and can eat eggs. But what about the poor? What about the poor? Father, is it possible that you don't like the poor? Is it possible that these prophecies that are coming out and telling people to leave the cities now take no consideration at all for the poor that cannot afford to leave? Is it that you don't like the poor? Why would you prophesy through somebody to leave the cities now, knowing that there are poor people who love you with all of their heart, that are probably listening, that can't possibly afford to leave? That doesn't sound like my father. I don't think it's you. I don't think it's you. And I know what my Bible says. And my Bible is you, Father. My Bible is you. You are the Word. Jesus is our God. 1 Timothy 3.16 I and the Father are one. John 10.30 Hallelujah. We are both Jew and Gentile, man and woman in Christ. Galatians. Thank you, Paul. We praise your name and we thank you for the days that we are in right now. We thank you, Father God, for teaching us uh, the the mysteries that you have uh, taught us thus far. And we pray in the name of Jesus that even in the midst of the trials, tribulations, difficulties, that we are able to discern past the foibles of mankind, the error that comes from being in the flesh, which by its own definition is a state of perpetual sin that needs to be constantly re-examined and confessed out loud, for there is life and death in the power of the tongue. We praise you, Father, for building the synergy and the harmony that is necessary for us to not be deceived by those who may be prophesying in proportion to their faith, but aren't really hitting on all eight cylinders right now, Father, because you have blessed us with an understanding of your scripture, an understanding of your divine protection that transcends the vocal cords of a human. 
that is trying to prophesy in proportion to their faith. Thank you, Father, for helping us to understand why Paul warned us to not despise the prophets and realize that he had a really good reason for giving us that warning. Thank you, Father, for our understanding from 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 15. I'm not sure the exact verse, which says that we are to judge the prophecies, not the prophets. We praise you, Lord, and we ask you to continue to open our eyes and anoint them with salve that we are able to receive words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and open doors for us, Father, in our lives. Not that we don't recognize that as in our flesh we do need some time to disconnect a little bit from all of the things, the trials, the tribulations, the difficulties, the horrors of the mass murder and slaughter that is taking place across the world as the judgments begin to befall even the church, which is so and seeped in sin that it's like an oil well spewing all over, all over the entire field and the people that stand on it. We praise you for helping us to be able to see the percentage, the sheer horrific percentage of those who call themselves Christians but do not even understand the most basic tenets of Christianity. We praise you for helping us to understand that people cannot shoot their way into heaven. And that when you admonished us, Jesus, to carry our cross and follow after you, you meant, if necessary, to our death, exactly as the apostles did, who by those, by virtue of their iniquity in their heart, would claim, in accordance with a misunderstanding of a single verse of, wow, what is it, 1,000? i got to look at this. Hallelujah. I used to, let's see. Oh, 31,102 verses in the 66 book canon, providing it's from the Textus Receptus. How amazing it is that people can justify taking a single verse to satisfy their own iniquity. And even teach against it, leading others to commit horrible sins of murder, being completely unlike Jesus in every manner, assuming that two swords, which were deemed enough for 13 people, somehow overrode all the teachings of Jesus and our command to love and follow after him. To love our enemies. To love our enemies. And to recognize that we were given the power in the name of the Lord Jesus is God, who is you, Father. One and the same. We praise you, Lord, we thank you, Lord Father God, for helping us to understand 
through the testimonies of some who have been taken to heaven, those that are believable, and were not taken to the fake heaven that Lucifer has set up. And also, thank you, Father, for revealing to us. It took time for me to see. I was warned, but I wasn't sure who was who. And now, I praise you for helping us to understand far better that those that are way up high on the seven mountains are not really hearing from you at all. And they're not being taken to the real heaven. But it doesn't mean they're going to hell. It just means that they're deceived, and unfortunately they're deceiving others, and they're unwittingly have fallen trap to the wiles of the evil one. Which by virtue of the timeline that we're in right now, there isn't an awful lot of time left to make a sudden left turn as the time wanes away rather rapidly. Although we could be here, Father, for many more years, which of course is a devastating thing for many of us to even consider. But we praise you, Father. We know that you do the things that you do because you love all the lost sheep. That there are probably millions that you have called. How you must grieve at the millions, maybe even more than a hundred million Christians in churches across this country, maybe, according to some statistical information, 200 million people that are lukewarm and utterly uninformed, still waiting for a third Solomon's temple to be built, believing the DVDs they bought eight nine, fifteen years ago, not looking into your word and sitting in the pews pumping the collection plate, ignorant of how far into the seals period we actually are, expecting Donald Trump to be their savior and come back, not recognizing that by virtue of even thinking that they idolize him above Jesus and have lost their first love because of the fear in their own hearts, not recognizing that they're being deceived by pillow prophets. Father, we lift up the pillow prophets. We hold up the seven mountains people. We hold up those who we know are in grave error and are leading people astray in an awful way. We hold them up before you, Father, and we pray in the name of Jesus, and we mean this from the bottom of our heart. Although we are deeply troubled by any deception, we pray, Father, please forgive them, because it is very, very likely that they know not what they do, and it is probable, very probable. And we ask you, please, to forgive them. Please forgive them. As it says in Isaiah 43.25, And I quote you, Father, through the lips of Isaiah and the penning of the Holy Spirit. I, even I, am he 
that blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Thank you, Father, for helping us to understand why that scripture makes sense. Thank you for helping us to understand that you establish the rules of all Christianity, of all the universes, of all the trillions of life forms, the architecture of the universes, the architecture of the, of the dimensions, the architecture of the various realms, the architecture of the particle physics, quantum physics um, containment zone that we are currently imprisoned within to contain Satan the devil and his fallen angelic creatures that, oh, and thank you for revealing to us why it is we preach. The scripture tells us to preach the gospel to every living creature. Why would that be? Father, are you calling mankind creatures? Equating us with cattle? Or could it be that the tares are not human? Thank you for your words of wisdom, Father. Thank you for helping us to understand that we are surrounded by entities that look human, but are not human. But it is not for us to choose because we may not and likely cannot discern it for sure, although you do gift us with the shifting of pupils and various visible evidence at times, we are not able to always discern the magnitude, the numbers, the sheer numbers of the tares and these entities that surround us and manipulate mankind. Never mind the fallen angelic species that look exceedingly human and are very hard, if not impossible, to discern as non-human, but are twice dead and already cursed, plotting and scheming and killing us en masse. As people such as my next-door neighbor put signs in their front yard saying, God bless Dr. Fauci. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will forgive. Hold out a deep, deep, deep gift of forgiveness, not only from your throne for them, but also, Father, as it says in the Lord's Prayer, lead us not into temptation as, I'm sorry, forgive us of our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for letting us not get all entangled in the endless, fruitless, useless debates over words and how, and just to be able to bask in the presence of your wisdom. Just with a little common sense. Thank you for letting us not fall into that trap where people endlessly debate the meaning of a word or a nuance that is irrelevant to the message that's being sent by the scripture. 
Thank you, Father, for liberating us from churchianity. Thank you for helping us to be able to defend the faith in a way that no other people on the earth are able. And Father, empower us through courage to learn how to toss out subtle hints by asking questions to unbelievers when we find ourselves in their presence. When they comment to us about how insane everything is across the world and to place upon our hearts through the presence of the Holy Spirit to respond back with, wow, it kind of seems almost biblical, doesn't it? To have the courage even amidst the days that we're in right now where Christianity is on the very verge worldwide in all countries of being actively persecuted, where there are facilities that are Christian-founded, that are being uh, painted with foul graffiti and threats of death, which is just the very beginning of what Jesus warned us would happen. Thank you for helping us to be able to see the division that is occurring publicly amongst those who profess you as Lord but don't take any time to read the Scripture and understand and very well may be tares. Entities that are non-human misleading the body of Christ as sheep to the slaughter. We praise you, Father, and we ask you in Jesus' name to please strengthen our hearts and remind us continuously that what, what our obligations are, how we must struggle through it. When we feel sorry for ourselves, when we're bawling tears because we realize we're going to be stuck here for a while longer, and we're just beside ourselves in agony, forgetting that you told Peter three times, feed my sheep if you love me. And we're supposed to call you our first love. Our first love. And I'm as guilty as anyone. Forgive us, Father, please. Because in this case, we do know what we do, which makes it even worse. It is so very hard, Father, and I know that you know that because you look upon our hearts, Psalm 139, and you know our coming and going, our rising up and our sitting down. You know our thoughts from afar off. You've written the works that you want us to walk in, in, your, in our books, before we were born. Psalm 139, 16, Ephesians 2, 10, praise you. But through our own free will, our own weaknesses, our own unwillingness to praise you with absolute certainty that you will respond to our prayers, even if it takes a lifetime. Indeed, it might even come after we're gone. Yet, by virtue of our unbelief, which is a sin, we stop praising you. Not only do we stop praising you, which is a direct disobedience to uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17, 
But we are exhibiting through our actions and our heart our sin of unbelief and our lack of faith, which is another sin, Romans 14, verse 23. So we layer sins upon sins upon sins as we are increasingly disobedient to your word. As the days grow darker, at a time that we should be praising you even more, spending even more time discerning your word and asking you for extra wisdom, crying with tears on our knees before your holy throne. Yet through our own human pride or our own human weaknesses or our own human misery with what life has dealt us, even though it's a hundred times better than so many, wow, billions of people on the earth, please forgive us for our self-centeredness, our narcissistic, self-centered viewpoint of our own individual lives. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will forgive us. Forgive us as as we self-examine. Forgive us as we realize these things. Thank you for revealing these things to me actually right even now as I'm saying them because I really didn't plan on saying any of this. But you know that. We praise you. We thank you. We need you. We need you, Jesus. We need you to continue to pray for us, to continue to advocate for us, the cloud of witnesses. We need all the prayer we can get from the heavens and all the prayer we can get from the saints here on earth, which is so powerful. We fail to recognize that it is absolutely bar none the single greatest power that we have been given by the throne room of God. And if we can speak in tongues, oh, thank you, Jesus, for revealing that that allows our prayers to go from our spirit directly into the throne room, bypassing the petition process, bypassing all of the restrictions that would be associated with uh, uh, scriptures such as Psalm 6618, if I have iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But if we're able to speak in tongues, that it bypasses that. It prevents Satan and his demons from stopping our prayers in the spiritual realm. Yet we speak in tongues so infrequently. Even though the Apostle Paul said, I speak in tongues probably more than any of you. We're so busy pointing to the negative verses that we don't see the really important ones. Guilty as charged, Father. I admit it. I confess of my sin before you, which seems to be lines, layers upon layers the more I examine myself. Father, we don't want to miss. We don't want to miss. We don't want to miss. We do not want to miss the barley harvest. We do not want to be left behind. Please help us to understand that is that it is the works that we do now that qualifies us for the barley harvest. It is our suffering with Jesus right now. Right now. That qualifies us 
for the barley harvest. And thank you also, Father, for helping us to understand that getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning or getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning is a type of suffering because it's a sacrifice of our flesh to serve you. Being ostracized from our family for not partic- not willingly participating in their activities that are unholy. Not being invited to a particular get-together of our family because, oh, they might talk about the end times. Is a form of suffering. Teach us, Father, in Jesus' name, to recognize these opportunities when we are given the, op- given the opportunity by you in a supernatural way to be able to have the wisdom to ask questions and to not jam the Bible down people's throats. Understanding that the days that we are in right now are very, very different than they were three, four, five hundred years or more ago. When for someone to hear the word of God, they had to stand in a muddy street, oftentimes unable to even feed themselves, let alone their families, and listen to someone, which they referred to as a man of the cloth, oftentimes a friar, Read from a giant book, two feet across, three and a half feet probably, well, three feet probably high, flipping through and choosing scriptures and reading them almost like poetry to those who stood in the muddy streets with no food and felt the calling. Yet we have multiple Bibles in our house and can't find the time to spend in your word. No wonder, Jesus, no wonder you vomit the lukewarm out of your mouth. We pray, Father, that you will help us to understand these opportunities that you have laid before us. For if you had come before we even understood that there was a barley harvest, how horrified we would have been ignorant. We would have pointed at them and said, look, it's, it's Operation Blue Beam. And look, that's not the rapture. That, those are aliens, and they're going to get eaten. Not realizing that it actually was the barley harvest. Not realizing that the people that were disappearing were not going to the aliens, but were going home being rescued from this filthy prison planet because they had fed your sheep through prayer ministries, through helping with deliverance, through understanding the power that they have in the name of Jesus, through the laying on of hands, through doing the things that the Bible says that believers would do just naturally, like it says in Mark 16, 16, 17, and 18. These signs will follow those who believe. They will cast out devils. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will ingest anything deadly and it will by no means hurt them. Just like the viper that bit the hands of Paul on Malta, but yet we don't believe. 
We live in fear, even though perfect love from you cast out all fear. Even though 2 Timothy 1.7, I believe, says, I hope I get the scripture right, like, praise you, Jesus, I'm sure I do, I think so, yeah. Um, we were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and power, power and of love and of a sound mind. The sound mind means that through the word, we have even keel level heads. We're okay. We can read prophecies and know that they're in error. We we push back when we feel the urge to get sucked into the riptide of selfishness and just be willing to leave everybody on earth that needs our help behind to suffer and burn in hell for all eternity when we may be the only ones that can help them. But we want to go home. And we do, Father. We really do. But we need your strength and we pray for it. We pray for your anointing. We pray for your strength. Isaiah forty thirty one. For we will renew our you you will renew our strength, as it says in Isaiah forty thirty one. And we'll mount up with wings of eagles, and we will run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. I guess we'd have to be pretty, pretty worn out. If you had to renew our strength, huh? And so many of us are, Father. The days that we are in right now are like no other. As dark as the days of the medieval uh, bubonic plagues were, as dark as the days were in the 1100s and the 1200s, although they were awfully dark, The days that we're in right now for those of us who are hungry to be in your presence but struggle with even being able to tolerate hearing the magnitude of the seething, seething stench of the evil one that pours out upon the entire globe, slaughtering people, sometimes friends and family, even Christians. Of course, they're, if they were good Christians, they're very happy that they died from COVID. <laughs> Praise God. Of course, that's a paradox. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand these things and not to just look, things, look at things through our earthly eyes. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will strengthen us, that you will continue to awaken us, that you will not allow our hearts to be hardened by feeling sorry for ourselves, raising my hand. Um, that, well, my heart was never hardened, but <laughs> when you're so busy feeling sorry for yourself, you know, it can definitely be very distracting and certainly not lead to the most ideal relationship period and certainly robs you of time that would have been better spent if we didn't allow that to happen. Help us, Father, to have the strength, the anointing from you, to praise you in all things and to realize that this is all just the test for us and we're already on the boat. But more than anything, Father, teach us, teach us to put in that extra effort that's required 
to make that barley harvest. Give us that strength to wake up extra early in the morning, even if we got kids to take care of. Help us to figure out how we can accomplish these things. Help us to understand when that hour of time is that we might be able to lock ourselves away from all of the world and give us the creativity to be able to recognize it as an option. Empower us, Father, with your wisdom. We beseech you to reveal the mystery of James 1.5 and impart upon us words of wisdom and supernatural knowledge to be able to realize that in our desperate desire to leave the filth of the cesspool that we are awake and aware to today, that we must not lose our understanding of our calling even to the point of being called but sadly not chosen and knowing that there's a barley harvest and a wheat harvest and a grape harvest and three iterations of what people refer to as the rapture knowing that it occurs a few weeks after a large, round, gigantic mothership-like alien spaceship object shows up in the sky and is broadcast on all televisions worldwide, and to realize three, four, five, six weeks later, we're still here. And to have that that chill go down our back, that horror of realization, that spiritual agony that would overcome us, to realize that we're still here. When NASA comes on television and tells everybody that the aliens took them, and we're still here. We beseech you, Father, in Jesus' name, to chasten us however you will, to beat us to a pulp if is required, to whatever is required, whatever is required, to give us courage, divinely inspired, to give us creativity, to put out pamphlets and laundromats, to give us the ability to be able to understand when it is our time to ask a question gently to somebody instead of thumping them on the head with some belief that's only going to get us beaten to death like Timothy. We pray in Jesus' name, Father God, that you will help us to, to have that wisdom imparted only through your Holy Spirit in our walk. Give it to us now and begin the impartation now, we pray. Teach us now, Father God. Help us to examine. Help us to spend more time in the Scripture. Help us to establish a prayer ministry if we're unable to get out of the house or if we lack the necessary um, social skills and soft skills to be able to ask questions at the right period of time or we're just too afraid. We haven't come to that place where we trust you enough. Please, Father, we pray that you will remember that we are dust, as it says in Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12. We pray that, that you will remember that you will have pity on us like, like a father pities his children. And remember that we are from dust. Forgive us, Father, because believe me, we do not know what we do. 
We really don't. We have no idea the ramifications of our behaviors now upon our eternity. Because if we did, it would strike us with a lightning bolt of fear and horror. Father, we pray that we will not experience that fear and horror by virtue of realizing that we are still here. That the many that were called, which has to be us, certainly we're some sub-part of that group, somehow weren't chosen for some reason. And we were still here to suffer through World War III, to suffer through the alien invasions that you were going to send down upon the earth during the day of the Lord, to suffer as 22 million people are being killed by the gigantic tsunami that results from the meteor that you thrust against the earth as a form of judgments while La Palma volcano collapses and causes a double tsunami against the United States of Babylon the Great. While six or seven major cities are nuked from ground-based nuclear weapons. Father, I don't think there's one of us here tonight or on whatever day maybe through a recorded podcast, that would listen to this program and admit to ourselves that we would prefer to be here watching people carry burned babies in their hands as they walk with radiation poisoning in large groups away from the cities that were nuked. I don't think there's one of us that want to see that. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name, please. We beseech you. When we pray the prayers of like Richard Chichester during this prayer vigil, which we've done many times, which goes something like, and I'm doing this from memory, praise your name. Whatever is your will, we submit to it. Whatever your will is for our lives, we submit to it. And I'm going to read that tonight in its entirety. Praise your name. Just to refresh my memory. Do with us what you will. Whatever you will, we want it for our lives. Whatever chastening we have to endure, we want it for our lives. If we need to be burned out of our homes, we want it for our lives. If we need to see things that are absolutely beyond horrific or have them become part of our earth experience, we want it for our lives. If we need to lose a spouse, because we dedicated ourselves to you, we want it for our lives. Help us, Father, we pray, to be chosen. In Jesus' name we pray to you, Father, from the bottom of our hearts. Amen. 
Tonight is July the 1st of 2022, the 2nd of Tammuz, 57.82. And uh, it is the next holiday is um, the 17th of Tammuz, which is July the 17th. I have not looked that up, and I don't know what it means, although I could look it up, and I'm not going to take the time. Hallelujah. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath or Shabbat candles, whichever you prefer. Um, uh, since we are no longer Jew or Gentile, and we are all one in Christ, I choose to use light three candles in honor of our Father. If I can get this this lighting implement to work. Oh, there it goes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. And I'm lighting three, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The Hebrew Kadesh. Praise you, Jesus. This is all to your glory, Father. All to your glory. Aruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Bore Peri Hagaten Baruchat Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav Veratzavanu Vishabat kod shobeya vauv ratzon in chilanu zikaron le mase vereshit. Ki hu yom techila le mikrae kodesh zechelitziat Mitzrayim Kivanu v'acharta V'yotanu kidashta Mikol hamim V'shabhat kodshecha Be'ava uvratzon in Chaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, um, now I'm not going to read it. I'll listen to this. Okay, I just I'm going to read the title of it just to warn, to warn, and I'm not going to mention names. If you happen to figure out who this is or know, <clears throat> this is not intended to do anything but to admonish you in a loving way to pray for this person. As a matter of fact, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will forgive this person for their deception and forgive those such as my precious sister who believes them and refuses to accept reality, <laughs> your word. The title is, this is a prophecy just released on June 7th. Okay, so it was a little while ago. The prophecy's title is, Miracles are Coming, God is Sending Trump Back Home in the Next 30 Days. By the way, he... Th- when when this individual is prophesying about this, seven mountains clearly, 
this individual is talking about home to the Oval Office. Okay, are you hearing me? All right, this is what we're up against. And it's part of my family. And it's very horribly unfortunate. And there's nothing I can do about it because I've tried. And like Jesus said, if you can receive it, while the person that I talk to, my sister, cannot receive it. She loves the Seven Mountains folks because they talk about good things that she likes. I love her, but I can't get through to her to save her life. She just looks at me like, you wait and see, Johnny, you wait and see. <laughs> I could send her uh, I could send her a excellent article on the Seven Mountains folks, and she wouldn't be able to see. She wouldn't be able to. She truly cannot see. Cannot. I love her. I love her. I want to give her a big hug. And she sees so much other stuff, but she just can't see past. She was born in the... The first, uh, I actually looked some of this stuff up, and I don't have it all memorized, but she was born in the first iteration of baby boomers. I did not know that there were two groups of baby boomers. I did not know that. I don't know, but when you do study those things, you will find out that there's the first group of baby boomers that are World War II baby boomers. They were the ones who were, when they were in school, were being told, you know, they I pledge of allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, under Jesus Christ himself. That's what they thought. That's what they thought they were doing. And then they would have drills because Russia is going to nuke us any second. And the, and the schools would go, root, 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 and they'd do it over the loudspeaker, and all the children would jump underneath their desks and hold their hands over their head to, per, to practice protection from those evil Russians. That's the first baby boomer generation. My two, my two sisters are 20 years older than me. Do you understand where I'm coming from now? I, on the other hand, was born 20 years later. They had already had almost all of their children by then. And I was the uncle of five girls that were my age, give or take a year. I'm slightly older than all of them, but very slightly. And we used to play you know, together and put, you know, my mom would bring home large, she'd go down to the, Square of Hummelstown, Pennsylvania, back in the 60s, and she would go to the appliance stores, and they would give her boxes that refrigerators would be delivered in, and she'd bring them home, and we would build forts and things, and Star Trek was popular back then. The first, imagine that, I was born when the very first version of Star Trek came out. Hmm. We used to play together in the backyard with these large boxes. We would turn them into spaceships, and I would be Captain Kirk. <laughs> with my five nieces that would come, that were all my age, give or take, and and we would be, you know, we'd go to a playground or whatever, and they go, Uncle Johnny, Uncle Johnny, and everybody'd be like, Huh? <laughs> what? That's not normal. Being raised with 35 foster children. Yeah. From the age of four, we brought in our first two, David and Tim. No, Jim. Jim. Jim Shade. 
I remember. David went south, stole the pastor's, uh, stole the pastor's car, <laughs> drove away with it to another state. I don't know if they ever got it back. Yeah, they were wards of the court, naughty children. And I got to see all the things that they did that my parents didn't know about. And I couldn't tattletale on them because I'd get beaten to a fruit juicy pop. So I'd run away out of the back of our split-level house on seven acres of land. I was afraid to tell my parents because my parents were very um, aggressive. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I would run away after seeing them having sex with each other and stuff like that in the basement. And um, traumatized. And um, a kid, little kid. And I'd run away crying down the seven acres into a pine forest. Into a pine forest. It's very hilly, like Vermont. And I'd run and sit underneath the pines all by myself on pine needles, on a bed of pine needles. I remember. I remember when I was practicing. I loved uh, shooting. As a matter of fact, I'm a, uh, a marksman from the United States Navy, and I know that guns are very, very bad, but I still enjoyed it. And um, uh, and um, I had become ex- I became a marksman as, at a very young age, very young. But I didn't have enough common sense to realize that my 22 competition long rifle that I used to shoot at pill bottles that belonged to my mother who had diabetes type 2 back then, that was really serious, nothing like today. Um, she never did receive her divine healing, yet I still have faith because I know. She took me to all of the revivals and I watched the people jumping out of their wheelchairs and having their sight restored crying as a child. I wish I had enough wisdom to realize that when I was shooting at those pill bottles with the 22 long rifle, that those bullets were actually going down over the hill through the pine trees and hitting the houses in the valley. Well, the house or whatever buildings it was hitting. And I didn't really realize it until I heard the screams of somebody down there. Now, granted, it wasn't somebody being hit by a bullet. Thank you, Jesus. But um, it was someone yelling, Stop shooting, you idiot! You're hitting our house! And then I was like, oh my gosh. But when you're a little kid, you don't really think about that stuff. A lot of things you don't think about. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. We praise you, Father, for the days that we're in right now. We praise you, Father, for our opportunity to come before you this evening and give you glory. We thank you, Lord, and we worship you across time and space. Whether we are listening live or we are listening recorded, we pray that you will hear these as a united voice, even if they're days or even months apart. For when two or more are gathered together in your name, Lord Jesus, Father God, there you are in our midst. That's awesome. From all around the world, we worship you and know that weeping may endure for a night. But if we keep our minds stayed on things above, Colossians 3, 2, that joy will come 
in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5. We give you all the praise, glory, and honor forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Forsaken my quest for the Lord You seem to forget that I would never let My children fall prey to destruction Your longing itself is the proof that you are mine forget where you belong like the steadiness of the sun keep on burning never turn just keep this up and you will learn that my children need my love every day That you did, I won't remember it. What matters to me is that your spirit is shining. Just rest in my light and watch those shadows dissolve. Take the plane away. Don't forget where you belong. Like the steadiness of the sun Keep on burning, never turn Keep this up and you will learn That my children need my light every day Never forget that this is always your home you can come as you are, and you'll always be loved. In my presence, time is gone. Future mistakes were all forgiven by me. If you hold to my words, you will always be free. This promise will stand till the end of time. It was paid in full when I called you mine. Praise the pain away. Don't forget where you belong. Like the steadiness of my son. 
keep on burning, never turn away. Just keep it up and you will learn that my children need my light every day. Jesus, the Lord placed upon my heart to read this to you, and I pulled it from the very bottom of, of my floor safe. It's actually one of those big ones, and it's bolted down, <clears throat> but it hasn't been read in probably 15 years or more, maybe 20. In fact, the white paper that it was typed on with a typewriter, remember those? is now like parchment paper because of its age. It was addressed to me when I lived in Tudor K, which would make that in the 90s. And this is from my sister who's believing that Trump is going to be put back into the Oval Office like really soon. But I love her. And we got to pray for all, uh, everybody, because there's so much, so much misunderstandings and things. We even have them ourselves. But I'm going to read this to you. It says, Dear Johnny, I was just thinking about you and wondering if anyone ever told you about Mother and her past health all these years before she died. Now remember, she took me as a little kid to virtually every Jesus festival. There was a lot of them in Pennsylvania back in those days because the charismatic movement was taken off like crazy. Um, but she took me to all of them because she knew she had type 2 diabetes and all that. And, uh, you know, she started to uh, have, you know, the, the, the ramifications of it. Um, it wasn't that they just didn't have the treatments that they have today. They didn't have the knowledge that they have today either. <clears throat> it goes on to say, mother had diabetes. She found she found out um, about 25 years ago or so. Now, granted, I knew about a lot of this stuff that she's writing to me, but she wanted to make sure she gave me the whole story. She She says, she may have known about it earlier, but that is when I recall her telling us and it affecting her health a lot. Now, I, I was actually there living with her at the time, but, you know, Paula was just trying to be really nice because by that time I had moved away, I'd gone into the Navy, and I had moved back to the Tampa area to follow after, you know, my first girlfriend. Well, anyway, anyway, this is a long story, but anyway, <clears throat> so anyway, I ended up in Tampa, and now I'm trapped here, <laughs> kind of, but anyway, so it goes on to say, she says, remember she went to a special camp 
to learn how to eat healthy. I remember that very, very well because I was at the house. My dad paid for it and so, so forth and came back to make all kinds of healthy recipes, which is true. But then she told me, she never told my sister Paula, she told me, Johnny, I can't live the rest of so She came back without diabetes. She, type 2 diabetes was gone. She had lost something like 150 pounds. They had put her on, it was like a, like a camp, like a, like a boot camp. And they would um, feed them like just vegetable, fresh vegetables, uh, God food, and a ton of freshly squeezed lemon juice. And they did some other things, herbals and stuff. But she came back with no sign of type 2 diabetes at all, nothing. But she had to follow the regimen. Well, I remember when she told me, Johnny, I just can't live like this. If this is the way I have to live the rest of my life, then I'm just not going to do it. Uh, She said that right to me, uh, sitting across the living room from me. And then she started to deteriorate, of course. She goes on, I remember when she was younger, she had to have her gallbladder out, but she seemed to snap back just fine. She used to say that she was healthy as a horse. She used to say all the time, but consider how healthy horses really are. She says, then in 1975, she was running a temperature and they couldn't figure out. uh, Now, remember, 75, that's interesting because that's three years after I was 10 years old. Okay, and that was and it was in 1972 is when she told me that she had a dream and she knew it was from God, but she couldn't interpret it. And she gave it to Gerald Durstein, who is a um, absolutely Holy Spirit-filled man with a ministry up and down the East Coast of the United States. And he prayed about it, and, and God interpreted it. And she, she told me, she sat me down in the kitchen, and she said, she gave me two things that God had shown her. She, the first thing was the interpretation of the Gerald Durstein of, of her dream. And that was, she said to me, Johnny, you are going, the interpretation of the dream, she gave me the the backstory on it with Gerald and all that stuff. And then she said, the Lord told Gerald Durstein that the interpretation of the dream is that you, Johnny, are going to grow up, you are going to be unmarried, and you are going to become a well-known end times preacher. This coming from a woman who moved to a seven-acre location to prepare for the Great Tribulation. But that was years before. She got the dream after. The other thing that she was given was a vision. By the way, that one came true. I never saw that one. I, I completely forgot she told me this. And then I, it just, I, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Because... You know, I was seeped in sin. I was once saved, always saved. I, you know, my whole life was just everything the opposite of what she told me the dream said. And I never really thought about it. It just never crossed my mind. I was too busy sinning and having fun. I'm getting married multiple times. <laughs> but it wasn't me leaving them. They, I, I mean, I know you probably like, well, everybody's got faults in there. You know, of course, I, that's, it's always the case. There's always, but, you know, I, I, for some reason, I seem to always pick really pretty girls that had a proclivity to unfaithfulness. Let's just leave it at that. But anyway, um, she goes, but anyway, the second thing she told me was she, she had a vision in 19, this has all happened when I was 10 years old, one year after I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of nine at Grace Chapel. And um, she said, 
she said, uh, the vision that I had was of the Antichrist. And this is in 72, folks. Okay, so do the math. I saw the Antichrist, she said, in a vision. He's a mulatto man, half black and half white. He's alive today, and he's exactly your age, Johnny. Well, it wasn't until I heard Jonathan Kleck back around 2009 prophesy, one of the first people in the entire world, prophesy that Obama was the Antichrist. And then I remembered. I even looked up Obama on Wikipedia recently and found out that he was he's only about four months. His birth, birth date is only about four or five months ahead of my birthday. Pretty amazing. Anyway, I'll go on. Then in 1975, she was running a temperature, and they couldn't figure out. Now, by that time, I'm already living in Florida. No, that isn't right. I, I, I get them things mixed up, so I'm just going to read it. And they couldn't figure out what it was, so they put her in the hospital. She had been there for about three weeks. When they found, uh, when they found through one of their X-rays that she had an infection in her kidney, and that it was, and that it was perforated and it exploded, and exploded infection throughout her lung area and down into her intestinal um, region. They didn't think that she would live through the operation. A normal person would have had a 50-50 chance, but, um, uh, but not someone with diabetes, you know, pre-existing condition. All that. They, had, uh, they had her in the operating room most of the morning that afternoon. David Ebaugh, which was my family's favorite advanced pastor, um, came and stayed, and that's a long story. I'm going to skip that part, and stayed with us while she went through all of this stuff in the hospital. And by the way, get this. You know where she was at? What the, well, some of the time she might have been at the Harrisburg Hospital, but I know as a fact that a lot of the times that she went into the hospital, and that hospital, by the way, the one that I'm about to mention is still there. You can look it up on the Internet. It's actually called the Holy Spirit Hospital. I think it's in Chambersburg or something like that, Pennsylvania. Anyway, it says, David Ebal came and stayed while Mom went through all of this. Dad and Marilyn and I, with David Ebal, waited and waited, you know, my mom. Before the operation, when I was taking, talking to Mother, I told her that the Holy Spirit had given me an assurance that she would live through this. She told me that she had been praying and that she saw Jesus walk through the wall and stand next to her. And she knew she would live as well. Well, that's pretty cool because I don't remember that. Remember, this is a long time ago. <laughs> this would be about 25 or more years ago that this was typed up. After the operation took her into uh, after the operation, they took her into a cold room where she could recuperate. We waited outside the room, and they were going to, where they were going to bring her to. It was late afternoon when they brought her on a gurney back to the room. Marilyn, that's my other sister, uh, started to cry as she saw that mother was white as a ghost, and she um, uh, went and hid in the corner of the hall. Dad did the same thing. I went in the room with her and stood at the bottom of her bed. She opened her eyes and she said, those God blank, that's my mom. My mom was uh, pretty liberal with some of her language. Those God-blank doctors lied to me. They said it wouldn't hurt, and it does. So I laughed, and I went and got Dad in Maryland and said, she's going to live, because that was my mom. You know, my mom was, uh, like I said, she was liberal, liberal with her colloquialisms. All right, and she goes on to say, 
my sister goes on to say in the letter, she told me later that she had left her body during the time they operated and was suspended in the air above in the operating room. Now, we all know what that means, don't we? She died. Because you don't leave your body unless you die. She was looking down while they operated. Jesus was with her, and they had a conversation about whether she wanted to stay or go home with Jesus. Boy, does that sound like about 5,000 NDEs. She told, he told her that if she wanted, wanted to, she could come home with him now. And she asked if she could stay and finish raising her son, John, first. Oh, man, it's going to make me cry. <sighs> And he granted her that. He granted her it at that time. She also told me that the hardest thing she ever did was to re-enter her body because she was free of pain and sickness without the body. But the body was sick and with lots of pain to endure. She she was able then to raise you and be there for you throughout your tender years. Then, after you moved out, or maybe before, I'm not sure, she had such terrible pain with her arthritis, and she refused to stay on any kind of special diet for her diabetes. It was when the doctor put uh, put her on diabetic shots that things started to really go downhill for her. She started to lose her eyesight, which, by the way, I remember because she would pull her uh, recliner chair up to like less than a foot away from the TV and watch the 700 Club because she couldn't see. She would spend a lot of time crying. That things started to really go downhill for her. She started to lose her eyesight, which uh, the um, – her eye. I'm actually reading this with a flashlight, so it's a little challenging. Um, it, she started to – hold on a second. Okay. Turned into being okay. Yeah, she started to lose her eyesight, which 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 um, eventually turned into becoming legally blind. I was actually there for that. The pain from the arthritis was so bad that the doctor eventually put her on stronger and stronger doses of you know she she calls it dope until she didn't even know what day it was. There, a year or so before she died, they put her in the hospital to try to wean her from this dope that they, and they couldn't do it. She was hallucinating and confused. Now, I even had a mentally retarded brother. His name was Kirky, and he had to be put in Sealing Grove State Mental Hospital because he was so severely mentally retarded that my mother and father couldn't take care of him. It was so it was so bad, and it was because they had given her thyroid medication, and they didn't know at the time because they didn't do proper trials that it would cause a pregnant woman to give birth to a severely mentally retarded child. So no wonder they were super happy when I came along, even though they were deep into the 40s. All right, and it says here, she didn't know where she was half the time. Her roommate in the hospital told her she was in California or New York or something, and she panicked. She would call Dad all the time and make him come to be with her because she didn't want to be alone. When she came home, she was no better. Finally, Dad decided to have her put uh, in a part of the hospital down on Front Street in Harrisburg. So, that, yeah, she was in the Holy Spirit Hospital there for a while, but then my dad moved her over to Harrisburg Hospital because it's a shorter distance to drive. Okay, where they decided where they decide about your mental state. Okay, so they were checking in on, on her mental state. She wasn't in more than a few days when she was found with her face in her breakfast. 
Due to her diabetes, she had an over-enlarged heart, which I remember that, and it was giving, and her heart was giving out. Now, I think about by this time I had already left town. I, I'd done the Navy thing and all that. I headed out. They put her on, and I was very selfish. I was a bad teenager because um, once I crossed the age of sixteen, I something clicked, and I just went south. Anyway, um, they put her on all kinds of tubes and breathing apparatus. Dad called me to meet him. Now, by this time, I'm living now in Tampa, Florida. I'd already gotten out of the military. Um, Dad called me to meet him at the emergency room at the hospital. That is what I saw when I walked in. She was in a coma, they said, but I said, no, she is out of her body and with Jesus. Every day for a week, I would go to see her. The Sunday after it had happened, I felt I wanted to be with her alone to pray and talk to her. The Lord gave me a verse to read to her, Isaiah 43. I have marked it in my Bible, like Psalm 37 and 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11 says, we can learn to give all of our problems over to the Lord, and no matter how they work out, as long as we are in right standing and trusting the Lord, we can know that our life is in his hands. Now, that was pretty profound for my sister for that day and age, because they weren't preaching, you know, even back then they weren't preaching hellfire and brimstone as they ought to have. So that was pretty profound. Anyway, she goes on to say, <clears throat> we receive salvation of the Spirit by accepting Christ, but we actually do not receive salvation itself until we see Christ. Okay, so she's preaching to me and, and educating me, which is great. And then she goes, I do not know. Um, I do know that Christ is real and that he loves us very much. So she's she's preaching to me. Which, by the way, at that time, I can understand why she would. Okay, and um, and then she writes in another letter by hand. Um, wait a minute. Where is it? I might not have all of the letter here. I might have to finish this up real quick. Yeah, I might have to finish this up real quick because there's another part of the letter. Um, wow, this is one from my dad. I got to read this. He's telling me he's proud of, proud of me and wrote this by hand. He died back in the 90s because, okay, so get this. This is my dad. My dad was very much more fleshy, of course, than my other family members. But he was like, oh, I'm so proud of you because you're making way more money than I made. And you didn't even go to college and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so there's another part of this letter I don't have, unless there's writing on both sides. No, it's only writing on one side. So there's something I either I missed it. Um, she had told me to go in the past, sovereign God. That same morning, oh, I did miss it. The pages were sticking together. Look at that. Okay. Okay, yes, I skipped the page. Every day for a week, I would go to see her. <clears throat> the Sunday after it happened, I felt I wanted to be with her, alone to pray and talk to her. The Lord gave me a verse to read, and then she goes on the Isaiah thing and everything like that. Now, here's where I missed the page. And I marked it in my Bible and have claimed it for myself as well. I say it like this. I fear 
not for you have redeemed. You have called me by your name, and I am yours. When I walk through the waters, you will be with me, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm me. When I walk through the fire, I shall not be burned, nor shall the flames kindle upon me, for you are the Lord my God. She said, read it for yourself, John. It is, uh, she calls me Johnny. Um, so do all my sisters and many nieces, one of them who died from COVID, by the way. Um, in the hospital, on the ventilator that Donald Trump recommended, and uh, by the way, created more than anybody else in the, in the world, and the vax, too. So watch your step. Anyway, um, she goes, uh, it is not written this way. It is actually, it is God speaking to us, but I say it this way so that I can be telling him that I accept his answer and I stand on the promise. That's basically what she said. I wanted mom to live and receive her healing here on earth. Now, because she was aware that my mom would go to every divine healing uh, revival there was. And boy, did I go to a lot. Okay. I wanted her to live and receive her healing here on earth. But evidently, she was to receive it with the Lord in heaven. I would go to visit her, like I said, every day. The last day, now, now I, I was living in Tampa, Florida at the time this happened. Okay, I was already out of the Navy. And um, the phone rang. And um, it was weird because that, back there, back in those days, you know, they were dial phones. Shh. No, or 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 if you if you got yourself one of the better you know the better ones, you could you know that kind of thing push button. But anyway, the phone rang and it was like a regular ring, like ring like that. You know that you don't have that today. But anyway, um, and it was odd because it was late. It was late at night. I, I wasn't in bed yet, but the phone rang and it must have been about eleven, eleven thirty, something like that. I remember I was like, that is weird. Who would be calling me at this hour? Some of you probably remember those days, right? Now we put our phone on auto silence and we just sleep through the night. <laughs> Good luck. Anybody have an emergency to try to get through it to us. But anyway, praise God. Um, the phone rang. It was 1130. And I remember getting the call and then them telling me that mom had died. And I remember sitting on the floor of my living room in Tudor Key condominiums here in Tampa, bawling. Because somehow, when you're that young, you're in your 20s, your late 20s and stuff, you don't, you just think everybody's, you know, like you're invincible and nothing bad could ever happen kind of thing. You know, you, you kid yourself. You live in a, I don't know, like a video game or something. So she's going to say, I would go visit her, like I said, every day. The last day, I couldn't get there until about 11 p.m. Okay, this is lining up with when I got the call. After work, she worked as a waitress at Lombardo's at Locust Court. It was a fabulous five-star restaurant where I worked as a busboy as well. But anyway, it says um, right outside the Capitol Complex of uh, Harrisburg, PA. Anyway, she says she had come out of her coma and seemed to be completely blind. Her eyes just rolled around. She couldn't move her arms, but she could squeeze our hands. It seemed she could move her legs, but she definitely could uh, she definitely could wiggle her feet. She could also move her eyebrows up and down. 
they still had that breathing thing in her throat, so she could not talk. She was very upset about that. She kept making throat noises like she wanted to talk, but she couldn't. I told her if she had been with Jesus to wiggle her feet, and she wiggled them really hard. I told her I wanted her to be healed and stay with us. We visited her for about an hour, and when we went to leave, she kept wagging her head back and forth and kept trying to talk. I told her how late it was and that she should get some rest and that we would be back to see her the next day. She kept waggling her head back and forth, and she wouldn't quit. She wouldn't quit as we started to leave. It was really hard for her, hard to leave her. Dawn was with me. I found out that Marilyn was in to see her earlier and told her that she should uh, go to be with the Lord and to be in peace and that everything would be okay. That same morning around 3 a.m., Dad called to tell me that she had died. So obviously she was um, thrusting her body back and forth to let my sister know that she was gone, that her time was now, and she was leaving, and Paula didn't realize it. I laid awake half-dozing the rest of the morning. Around 5 a.m., I was awakened out of a light sleep by a beautiful, mellow sound of what I thought was a French horn. By the way, French horns are beautiful-sounding instruments. The beat of which went something like this. David was asleep. It was getting light out, and I knew Mother was in the presence of God, the Father, and at the same time feeling really badly because I hadn't stayed with her when she wagged her head. I think she knew it was her last goodbye. Mm. Ooh, that's hard to read. She had told me over and over in the past that if she was going to be an invalid, she really didn't want to live. God is a sovereign God. He knows that we don't know. He knows what we don't know. And he sees the past and the future. If we can learn to know him through prayer and learning his word, that is reading it, and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and teach us about Christ and God, we can also learn to trust Him. I already read the the last part. And learning to trust God is bar none, arguably the single most important thing we must learn to do now. Because when we don't trust God, we lose our divine protection. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says that our Heavenly Father will keep us all in perfect peace. Imagine that. What is perfect peace? That is like some serious Holy Spirit-filled ecstasy-type peace there. God, it says, God our Father will keep all of us in perfect peace peace. Because our minds are focused and stayed upon him, and because we trust him. Now, I paraphrase that a little bit. It actually says, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon you, because he trusts you. That's a promise. Because he trusts you. 
If we fail to trust God, if we waver in our faith, if we stop praising God in the difficult, horrible, awful times, if we stop feeding God's sheep and just miss the mark, can you imagine what it would feel like to hear the announcement on TV that the aliens took them and have it hit you that you're still here. We have got to get past. I know there's been a lot of prophecies over the last 10 years of people saying that God's going to dump out the Holy Spirit upon us and we should be and we're going to be just anointed and all this other stuff. And I'm not I'm not saying that's not eventually going to happen. I'm simply saying, look where we are now. And I can tell you as a fact that that ain't happened. And if you don't think knowing about the seeding evil that's going on right now, knowing that the judgments are being allowed upon this earth right now, knowing the deception of the Seven Mountains people and how it's deceiving people into thinking Donald Trump is going to materialize supernaturally in the Oval Office and Biden's just going to disappear, how it feels to know that a intentional um, bioweapon was released upon mankind, that Donald Trump uh, created Operation Warp Speed to push out one of the most evil bioweapons upon mankind. Hey, maybe he did that out of ignorance. This isn't a judgment. I'm just saying. And he also created more ventilators. He got with all these different companies and said, make ventilators, make ventilators. We need ventilators as fast as we can get them. The ventilators were what was killing the people, which is what killed my niece, Mary Lynn. How do you think I felt when my sister Marilyn, the mother of Mary Lynn, called me and said Mary Lynn died in Hershey Medical Center, Penn State University's teaching hospital, actually one of the best hospitals in Pennsylvania, you know why? Because they were following the guidance of Dr. Reptilian Shapeshifting Satanic Tear Fauci. <coughs> Excuse me. How do you think I felt? How do you think I feel? Guess what? If I don't forgive everyone involved, every doctor, every dumb decision that Trump made, probably because of his narcissistic attitude about his own self-worth. That's a fact. Father, forgive him if he isn't in on it. Forgive him for he truly does not know what he does. Please. Don't want anyone to burn in hellfire. And believe me, I get the lesser of two evils dynamic, but I just find it deeply troubling that the most deadly weapon used against mankind amidst the bioweapon attack was the ventilators. They can't get the person off the ventilator. They can't. They tried. Some of the best doctors in the state of Pennsylvania tried desperately to get my niece Mary Lynn off the ventilator. They tried hard. Her fever spiked and she died. Boom. 
my sister, her mom, called me up without a tear and said she's with the Lord. And it's good news. Praise God. And I, right in the middle of it all, and losing my best friend Robert Santiago, he also died. We also know that Rob Skiba died. Excuse me, I apologize, but the tears and the crying got to me here. And um, we know that Rob Skiba died. We know that Doug Riggs died. Doug Riggs, one of the most world-renowned um, and publicized, had him on the radio show at least three times, I think, um, for Satanic Ritual Abuse, S-R-A-D-I-D, which is, uh, you know, delivering people like Elena and Robert Vandreas Mitchell. <clears throat> and he died. Many others did, too. I do recommend that you go to Plandemic.com and hunt on that page because they just released part two, part number two, which is called Indoctrination. And you might say, well, oh, man, I don't want to hear any more of that bad news. I've had about all I can take of that bad news. And you know what? I totally relate to what you're saying. I really do. But let me tell you something. If I learned something from watching it, can you imagine what you might learn? And then... How many people might you be able to hook up with it? You know, sometimes if you downplay something a little bit, it's it's kind of a, a sociological, it's not a lie, but it's a, you downplay it. You say stuff like, you know, this seems pretty convincing to me, but eh, who am I kind of thing. And But maybe you might like to look at, I don't know, maybe you should check this out kind of thing. Downplay it a little bit. Don't shove it in their face and say, you've got to see this, because <laughs> that, that invokes the opposite reaction from the person you're trying to witness to. The problem is most, <clears throat> most human beings do not understand basic human behavior. They don't understand sociological behavior, and they dagnabbit sure don't understand sociopolitical behavior at all. And so when that works against you because you're, you're ill-equipped to witness to people that desperately need to hear about Jesus in a very dark time. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, on that note, let's go ahead and play one more awesome song, and then uh, and then we'll move on with the prayer vigil. I see it's nine. We got till ten. Praise God. Let's play this song. This is awesome. This is Majesty by Brother Kirk Martin.
Jesus, who took you and hid you high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How unbelievably beautiful your eyes are to me in worship. How awesome your voice is when you pray. You must catch those troubling foxes. You've got to get control of the sins in your life because they hinder our relationship. They raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Won't you catch them and remove them for me? Don't worry. Just keep praising me because we will do it together. But honors every 
we surrender totally to you, Father, because in reality, if it wasn't for your grace, we wouldn't really even be here now. Certainly there was some point in our lives that we would have been taken out by the evil one. Give us the confidence that we need, Father, to lay our lives down at the foot of the cross. And give us the joy in our heart to realize that by doing so, we will be in the most glorious state of peace and ecstasy amidst all the horrible horrible things that are happening around the world that are surely going to become even worse. We thank you, Father, for being a good, good Father, and we praise your name. We thank you, Jesus, for all of your prayers, for the cloud of witnesses, for our loved ones that have gone before us, for the prayers that you have given us from on high. We praise you, Father, for the opportunity, the many, many opportunities, the many, many acts of grace that you have given each of us. And we beseech you to bring us to where we need to be. And we promise that we will try harder and harder to praise you continuously, not looking for an end, just being grateful and thankful that you're our Father, no matter what it is we have to go through. And surely we do hope that you would come and get us before things get really bad. We praise you and thank you in the name of our Lord, our Savior, and our friend, the lover of our souls, he who loved us at our worst, our Lord Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Shall also live with him if we. 
Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, and by the blood of the Lamb of God, in Jesus' mighty name, we declare with the authority of Christ in his name, hallelujah, we declare the holy fire of God to surround our prayers, to wrap around them like a fire tornado, Father God, and protect them from the demons of darkness when we are speaking, when we are not speaking in tongues, that they may not be hindered for any reason. We declare your fire and the whirlwind of the Holy Spirit, a thorny hedge of protection to swirl around about our households, on our dwelling places, on all sides, in Jesus' name. We decree in Jesus' name that same holy fire to wrap itself like a sphere around our automobiles and to follow us wherever we go. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will assign two very large, powerful warrior angels to stand guard at each of our houses amidst the holy fire. As we are being divinely protected, we pray the holy fire will swirl throughout every room of our houses, shut down every portal, shut down every uh, anything that can cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior that does not belong here that will burn it out. In the name of Jesus, and it shall run screaming in horrific agony in Jesus' name, hallelujah. We praise your name. Father, we, we pray in Jesus' name that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior. At the very moment that they set their wills against us, we decree in Jesus' name the holy fire of God to shoot down from the glory pillar and to burn them in the screaming agony. We stand before your courts of heaven and we bind that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven. That which is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 18. We bind Colossians 2, 15 before your high holy supreme courts, Father God, against these demons of darkness, that they shall be... Um, 
Father, in the name of Jesus, that they shall be uh, 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 disarmed and, uh, and, to, and to be uh, uh, broken into in horrible, screaming agony, Father God, that, this, this, that the holy fire will stick to them like a white, hot napalm, like a sticky, uh, super nanothermite fire, Father God, and that they will scream in agony, making a public spectacle of them in accordance with Colossians 2.15 in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we pray that you will assign a platoon of warrior angels on a search and destroy mission on behalf of each of us to go and ferret out throughout our lives, throughout our workplaces, throughout our families, throughout anyone, anyone, anything that might attempt to come against us, to ferret out any indirect threat victors that we have no visibility to. We pray in the name of Jesus that they will hunt them down, that they will shut all portals, that they will tear up all demonic contracts, that they will cancel all demonic assignments on our behalf in the name of Jesus. Shut them down in Jesus' name. For the king's heart is in the hands of the Lord, Proverbs 21.1. Like the rivers of water, Father, you turned it. You turn them wherever you wish. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that you will turn the hearts of those who would otherwise come against us, otherwise say evil things against us, otherwise assign us the things that would be unpleasing to you, Father, or distract us from our ability to give you glory, from our ability to be able to serve you. We praise you, Father God, and we thank you for your mercy does endure forever. Hallelujah. We praise you. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we consecrate ourselves into the complete ownership of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like to use holy oil at this point. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I do the little cross thing, you know, like the, the Israelites did when they, um, you know, before the three days of darkness, which is going to repeat itself, by the way. And they put the Lamb's blood, you know, like a shape of a cross over their door doorposts. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Jesus is all over the New Testament. People just don't see it. Um, Father, we consecrate ourselves to the complete and total, utter ownership of our Lord Jesus Christ. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us. We declare the abundant grace of God, the living water, the crystal river upon us to wash us completely clean, to swirl throughout the very particles that make up our existence in this clay body that will hopefully soon be of no use to us. We plead your blood, Lord Jesus, upon us. Cleanse us with your purity. We declare that no weapons, earthly or spiritual, shall exist, for the holy fire of God will vaporize them. We rebuke the devil, all of his demons. We turn away from him. We command him into the pit. Get out in the name of Jesus Christ, we declare the fire of God to stick to you and burn you, that you will be made humiliated before all of the demons as they scatter in every direction. Hallelujah. We cancel all demonic assignments placed against us with the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. We break all yokes of bondage, all curses placed against us. We rebuke them, and the demons of darkness that launched those attacks against us shall be struck by the fire of God in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We declare that fire and a hedge of thorny hedge of protection around about us on all sides. Job 1.9, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot, punching through the spiritual realm into the throne room of God. Father, we pray that you will extend this white hot holy fire around our loved ones that are not hearing. Now, Father, we do not expect, nor do we, uh, we have no expectation of seeing a change. We just trust you. And we know that you're going to save their souls. 
Now, I know that there's a lot of mothers out there, Father, that are like thinking to themselves, oh, I don't want my, my, my daughters or my, my children to, to be subject to the horrible things that are going to come upon the earth. Father, your will be done. Whatever is required to get them into heaven, that's what I pray. Whatever is required. And I have a daughter that's 45 minutes from here. And she's going out to protest. And I know it's going to... No, it's clearly going to be something that or will, in fact, be something that deeply upsets you because she has intense iniquity in her heart. Father, I pray that you will forgive her for she knows not what she does. Father, I pray for the forgiveness of the sins of our sons and our daughters and our relatives and the things that they believe, the things that they think. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will forgive them all. Pour out your grace upon us, Father God, especially upon those of us such as myself that have gone through very difficult times and have just not walked consistently in your divine presence as much as we should have. Father, many of us struggle with the days that we are in right now. Many of us struggle with, many of us even have fear in our hearts. We're afraid, you know, and to even, you know, express our feelings about you and to people that we don't know because of the, the persecution that's occurring in public right now between different factions of so-called Christians or people that believe they're Christians. Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon them. Have mercy upon them and don't let them be subject to the eternal hellfire because of a mistaken understanding that was given to them by people that should never have been allowed in a pulpit. Father, we just praise you and we thank you for the opportunities you have laid before us. We declare that holy fire to surround around about on all sides our loved ones. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father God, that you will come upon them, anoint them, touch them, Father. Give them a revelation. If you have got to judge them, if you have got to bring them to a place of agony, if you have got to bring them uh, down hard, if they have got to suffer in a horrific way in order for them to make it into heaven, so be it. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Let it be. Praise your name. Whatever you need to do, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name. Now, we would prefer, of course, Father, if it is at all possible, as Jesus said in Matthew 2630, I believe it was, uh, that maybe 20, I don't know, I might have that verse off. But anyway, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, we pray, if it is at all possible, that that doesn't have to happen. But if it is required, your will be done. And we praise you for that. All that matters is coming home. All that matters is coming home. And we pray, Father, please, if it is at all possible, and I know that it is, because Matthew nineteen twenty six tells me that with God all things are possible. And we pray, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, whatever course correction we need, please do not hesitate no matter how harsh it may be or seem, even at the time we're going through it, please do not hesitate. We're getting way too close and we do not want to miss. There's got to be a divine reason why anyone is listening to this program right now or has <laughs> continued to listen to it for any period of time. Amen, Father. Praise Jesus. And we thank you for that. And we pray in Jesus' name, Father, that no matter what, no matter what, we keep on praising, we keep on serving you, we keep on praying, 
We keep on praying for the lost, and we keep on trying as hard as we can, even if it's some form of putting, printing out flyers on our computer printers and putting them in laundromats or whatever, or taping them to the outside of people's mailboxes. <laughs> whatever it takes, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will anoint us and give us the courage, having done all, having done all, to stand. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And amen.
sure something you know is uh, you heard a lot of you know joyful testimony and kind of sad testimony too you know it depends on which direction you're looking at it from of course for me it's kind of kind of hard on me a little bit uh from an earthly standpoint because uh, you know i remember how i was back then i can only imagine what my mom thinks of me now and I don't mean it's necessarily all that good either, but I'm just saying. Um, but uh, but just to put a smile on your face, so like Sister Vera lives up in Ontario, Canada, and she helps me, you know, a little bit with the audio checks and stuff on the show and news and things sometimes, and um, you know, every week and stuff. And she says she sends me a warning message while I'm praying or whatever, or talking on the program, and she says that. Uh, that my audio was starting to break up. And I said, well, reboot your browser. And she said, well, it worked. And then I said, yep. She said, well, how can that be? And I said, that's because you're about 800 miles north of, north of the beaver. <laughs> so for any of you that have seen the uh, Welcome to Canada beaver, you know what that means. Um, maybe that put a smile on your face. Praise God. Anyway, on that note... Let us go ahead. I just feel like doing this a cappella kind of thing with taking communion. This is what I do, not every morning, but almost. I have this golden bowl I've told you about many times. I, the Lord placed it upon my heart that it was a golden bowl of forgiveness. And I, it's, it's an interesting testimony, but I found it for 14 bucks after... I mean, anyway, I know it was the Lord telling me to get it. And then I realized, wow, the, this big old bowl here is full of uh, grapes and grapevines. And I was like, wow, this is really anointed. I've had people say to me, well, what's up with that? You know, they ask questions like, what's up with the golden bowl of forgiveness? And where'd you get that from and everything? And, but, you know, you have to kind of like live it. So, you know, sometimes you can listen to the testimony of the person, but, and you might believe them and stuff, but some things, you know, I lived it. So to me, it's like not even a doubt. In fact, the Lord even told me I can't, um, I can't, I have to change the water every morning and put fresh water in it every morning. It was like I just felt, I, it was undeniable. I mean, it was like I didn't really hear his voice audibly, but it was like I just knew that I couldn't use the same water. I had to go refill it every day. And then I have the um from Lindy from from, from Lindy uh, Pierce, 
from lionofjudahoil.com. It's actually L-O-J-O-I-L. You select the bottle first, and then you drop down a little window, and you pick the fragrance that you want in the bottle. So you're actually buying the bottle, and then you're telling her what fragrance of oil. And she anoints it and prays over it. She's got baptism, Holy Spirit, all that. So that's good. It's very trustworthy. But you can also drop down the window and let me see if I can bring this up because a lot of this is just good to know stuff, especially in today's day and age. Um, L-O-J-O-I-L dot com. Okay. So I'm there and I'm looking. Um Okay, comments from satisfied customers. Learn more about us. Huh, she changed it a lot. Okay, anointing of the sick. Okay, she's even got a little YouTube action going on. Does say find anoint? Oh, it's okay. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, so in the little links at the top of the page, it says it says our fragrances. So that would be informative only. And then there's it says bottles of oil. Okay, and then she gives some guidance about anointing and everything else, which is cool, and prayers and and all that. Really good stuff. So anyway, you go to the Bottles of Oil link. Praise Jesus. L-O-J-O-I-L.com. Oh, I forgot she plays music. Automatic music. So don't do this at work, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Okay? They'll take you to the Human Resources Department. All right. Anyway, so then you click on the, um, actually, you scroll down right there. You scroll down, uh, and you can see all the different bottles to choose from. And, like, what I'll do here is I'll just pick one out, like um, the mini heart bottle, for example. I'll just pick it out, and then it says fragrance, and you drop it down. It's got almond joy, unspeakable, garden of Eden, gifts of the magi, his majesty. But what you do if you want the, um, you select unscented, you select unscented oil, okay? And then when you select the unscented oil and you put it in your shopping cart to go, to, to buy it, because you're essentially buying the bottle and then you're getting the oil with the bottle, all right? And if you select unscented, you can send her an email immediately, okay? And you tell her that you want the behind the veil, or you can even say the Exodus oil blend. Now remember, the Bible's very strict about how that blend of oil is to be used. It's spoken of in the book of Exodus. Now some people out there, particularly Messianic Jews and such like that, they don't really they read their Bibles and they don't really notice stuff, you know. And I looked at it very, very, very carefully. I went to the Hebrew and studied it and stuff because the initial impression you get when you read it is that it can't be used on a human. But that's actually inaccurate. That's an inaccurate interpretation. Now, I will warn you this. She follows the recipe very strictly, and she's also very careful. Like, you might have to tell her that you heard this from Johnny Baptist on Tribulation Now or whatever, and let her know in the comments or when you send her the email, because she's like doesn't just want to give it to anybody, because she doesn't want it to be misused. 
But if you read the scripture carefully regarding its use, it basically says that you're not to use it on anyone outside of the, you know, the Israelite encampments. Okay, in other words, the essentially the Gentiles or those who are not Jews. Okay, and its and its primary intention or intended use is to anoint the um to anoint the vessels of the temple. Okay. So what I do is I get myself some of that. She mixes it up, not and sends it to me. And then uh, and she'll do it for you. Mention Again, she might be a little bit skittish, and so just mention me and all that, and the prayer vigil and all that, and she'll be like, oh, okay, okay, okay. But um, and tell her, you know, behind the veil or, you know, the exodus oil, or you can say both, behind the veil slash the exodus oil. Um, I heard about it on Johnny Baptist's, you know, prayer vigil and stuff, and she'll be like all calm, and she'll be cool about it, and she'll go ahead and mix it up for you and all that. All right, now, here's the thing. What I do is in the morning time, I just light a little candle, I like to stand in the dark. I like to do it at 4.30, 5 o'clock, 5.30 a.m. in the morning before any birds are tweeting or anything. I want absolute silence. And it's totally dark. And I light the candle because that's the only light I want. I just I don't want to knock things over. And then I take a little bit of the Exodus Blend oil, and I say, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, and I anoint the bottle of wine which, by the way, you can get from um, – there's a place on the Internet you can search on called uh, kosherwines.com. One thing that's cool about kosher wines is if you're, if you're in a state where they can ship wine to you, hopefully, then you can order like one bottle of it or whatever if you want. <clears throat> you, and I think they send it free shipping, which is cool because otherwise it's like you're paying as much shipping as you are for the bottle of wine, right? What I get is the Mount Hermon Red, because I just dig the whole Mount Hermon dynamic. I, I think that is like totally biblical and cool. And I get the Mount Hermon Red, and it does. It's actually wine. It's made right there in Israel, right there in vineyards by Mount Hermon. It doesn't get any better than that. So I put the, the bottle of it right there, and um, this is interesting. I have to take a look at my um, my chalice. Oh, wow, I forgot to put wine in my chalice. Hold on a second. Okay, hold on a second. I got this really cool from a place called uh, JudaicaWebStore.com. I ordered it from Israel, and it's like silver and gold, beautiful, embossed uh, artwork of Jerusalem. It's just amazing. But you know, then, you know, you might say, well, Jordy, shouldn't you be giving that money to the poor? And, you know, and I think to myself, this is to honor God. So it's kind of like the equivalent of that, um, you know, of, you know, Mary or whatever that was doing the whole oil thing for Jesus, and the apostles were like, "Well, you shouldn't, you know, that's expensive oil and all that kind, you know." So you know, any when it ever, whenever it's something in my life that I, I, you know, is to worship, my whole house is full of stuff. I mean, everywhere you turn, every wall, everything. I I get um, James Nesbit. If you type James J A M E S. Nesbit, N-E-S-B-I-T, James space Nesbit, prophetic art. Go to his website and look at some of the stuff that he creates. <laughs> I mean, it is just astonishing, and it is prophetic. 
Um, and I have like three of his pieces that I've put in really nice um, gold Baroque, um, really fancy gold Baroque um, frames. Not not inexpensive, but, you know, it's to glorify God. Um, you know, so I just, I you know, when it comes to glorifying God, I just believe in sparing no expense. Praise Jesus, if you can afford it. Um, but I take the, the, the Exodus blend oil and I say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I anoint the vessels of my makeshift little temple, <laughs> right? And I just touch the the Mount Hermon red bottle. I touch the chalice, which I'm taking the, uh, you know, communion. And then I touch the little, um, it's like a little uh, clear glass crystal. It's a little candy dish about the size of a person's fist. And I just put uh, matzah, which is essentially unleavened bread, you know, legitimate, you know, it's like what the Jews would buy, et cetera. And uh, you can get it in pretty much most most uh, most uh, supermarkets called matzah. And um, it's really like a saltine cracker without salt, <laughs> essentially. And then um, and I break it into pieces and I put it inside the crystal candy dish. And then I anoint in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I touch the, I anoint, I put the oil on the side of the Mount Hermon red, and I anoint the chalice, and then I anoint the crystal decanter with the matzah pieces in it. And then I put my, the oil that's still on my finger, and I put it inside the golden cup of forgiveness that has the fresh water in it. And I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, um, anoint this water and make it holy in Jesus' name in accordance with your will. You know, <clears throat> and then, and then I, uh, I imagine Jesus, which is what we're going to do now. So be ready, get ready, ready, get set. Drink your wine. No, I'm just kidding. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. So what I do is I I imagine Jesus' face right in front of me. And that it's my voice, but I'm seeing him. I'm imagining strongly him standing before me. And I leave out all that stuff in the beginning of where Paul goes, um, you know, I, I give to you that which was given to me that on the same day in which, you know, no, I don't put, I leave that out. And I just go right to the part where Jesus is speaking. And I imagine him saying this to me. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, here we go. On, hold on a second. Praise God. Been doing a lot of boohooing, and of course that makes me have some challenges on the mic. Anyway, here we go. Father, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Just imagine his face. Imagine him standing before you. On the same night in which I was betrayed, I took bread. And I broke it. And I gave thanks. And I said, here, take, 
eat. This is my body, my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that same manner, I took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new eternal contract, the new covenant in my blood, which I'm going to shed for you on that cross pretty soon. Do this as often as you drink it. Not once a week. Not once a quarter. But as often as you would. In remembrance of me. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Put a little bit too much wine in here. Thank you, Father. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death until I come for you. Ani Ladodi Vadodi Lee and my beloveds and my beloved is mine. Father, we hold up our golden cup of forgiveness symbolically before your high, holy, supreme courts of heaven, most high, El Elyon. Father, we pray that you will pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness, your golden bowl, upon all the peoples of the lands of North America, but in particular, Father, especially now for obvious reasons upon the people of North America, and especially Babylon the Great. Father, we pray that you will pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness upon all of them, the millions of people who believe they're Christians, but have seething iniquity dripping from them. And all of those, Father God, who would fight physically and do awful things to one another, in absolute disobedience to your word because of their unwillingness to read it. Please forgive them, Father. Forgive those who are about to do awful and horrible things. We pray in the name of Jesus that any one of them that lifts up a gun for any reason, in Jesus' name, that that gun will turn red hot and burn the skin from their hands. Let them know that you are God. We pray thee. Have mercy. Forgive their iniquity, we pray. For there but for the grace of you, Father, go we. I even remember the time that I was thinking about buying a very, very powerful gun and a lot of ammunition because, yeah, I was still very immature in my walk. Please forgive me for even thinking about such things. Thank you. Thank you for answering my prayers. 
months on my knees crying out to you, asking you, what does this scripture mean? When you showed me, I was astonished that I didn't see it. Father, we pray that you will touch with an anointing from on high the hearts and the minds of those who we see behaving in the most egregious manner. That unbelievers would see those who profess Jesus as Lord behaving like the most reprobate heathens. Setting an example for the world of the behavior of so-called Christians in the supposedly the most Christian-filled country in the world, when in reality, it's just the opposite. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive those of our brothers and sisters who think it's okay to badmouth one another on Facebook and say horrible things and comments on YouTube, professing you, your kindness, and your love, and then turning around and spewing hate and venom, venom in public. Father, we just pray that you will forgive them. Because there but for your grace go we. We praise you for helping us to understand what it really means to say the words, what would Jesus do? And not to be hypocrites, but to be willing to live it under all circumstances. For if we fear how our children would feel dying before us, then it's our fault because we were crummy parents and we didn't train them properly. Hear our prayers, we pray, Father, for our children and our loved ones. Do what's required, Father, in the name of Jesus, to bring us to where we need to be to walk in your perfect will and purity. Help us to understand the ramifications of 1 John 3, 7. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Jesus is righteous. And that it is not perfection, but it is definitely an effort that we put forth. And by your grace, maybe. We're not talking about salvation, Father, because you're too kind. We're talking about being found worthy to stand before you, Jesus, before this world takes a turn that is so utterly devastating that a terribly troubling number of our brothers and sisters will probably not make it. We ask you for your grace and anointing and an outpouring of your love to fall upon this backslidden, reprobate country. So awful is its, and unacceptable is its behavior. So false are so many of the prophets that Jesus himself even prophesied about it. The Bible's loaded with admonition and judgment against it. 
We just pray, Father, please, in Jesus' name, to have mercy and to awaken those who can receive it. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. We praise your name. Amen. God bless you all. I will see you next Friday, Lord willing. And boy, that's taken on a whole new meaning lately, isn't it? Glory be to God. Hallelujah. See you. God bless you all. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. It is his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life we are cleansed through holy sacrifice as we lift your name on high. Renew our